Welcome to the Boss Podcast. This podcast provides today's sellers with sales tactics that will help them to reach their goals. Your host, Mark McGinnis, brings you diverse guests, high-quality discussion, and valuable insights on every single show. Mark is the author of Tactical Pipeline Growth, as well as an in-demand sales trainer and coach for B2B companies all over the world. If you want to be better at outbound sales, you're definitely in the right place. Now let's get into the podcast. 52% response rates from cold email. How would you like those numbers? This is the future of cold outreach in my opinion. Forget the sales engagement platforms that are automatically sending predictable email sequences out, spamming our clients. 52% response rates is how we should be prospecting and how we should be emailing our prospects in 2022. This episode is super helpful for anyone who emails their prospects as part of their sales role. Welcome to the Best of Sales Skills Podcast. I'm Mark McGinnis. If you're looking to get more meetings and more responses from your outreach, then you're in the right place. This podcast is for APAC frontline sellers and their team leaders who want more meetings and less sales stress. This week, we talked to Jacob. Jacob is the CMO and co-founder of Speak On Podcasts. And today, he joins me to talk about his process for creating excellent emails. Make sure you grab the link to his LinkedIn posts where you can download the entire email guide that we walk through today. I'll place the link in the show notes so you can grab it there. Impressively, Jacob has taught or systemized his team to get the same great response rates that he gets himself. So many times when we talk to people, we hear from someone who's killing it individually and they've got a great strategy, but it doesn't lend itself to replication. The fact that Jacob has been able to get and help his team to get the same results means his systems are trainable. Sales leaders, you're going to want this model. Warning, it's not a shortcut, it's not a hack, it's a process. Before we head out to my chat with Jacob, if you like this episode, please do me a favor and just share it with one other person who might find this valuable. By doing this, you'll help me grow the audience and together we can rid the world of crappy outreach one week at a time. Now let's jump into the episode. Hi, Jacob. Welcome to the Boss Podcast. Hi, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I'm excited. So we've got you on today. So we've got Jacob here from Speak On Podcast. But the reason I've got you on is because I think you sent me one of the best emails I've ever received. I know that our listeners today, and what we're going to do is we're going to pull that apart, right? So we're going to find out a little bit about how you became so good at writing emails. We're going to pull those emails apart so people can go and do that themselves. You know, I get a lot of emails and... If I'm saying, hey, we need to have a chat because your email was so good, I think that's worthwhile. <laughs> Thank you very much. It means a lot because I know that you've seen a lot of me now. Well, yep, that's what I have. So thank you. Okay, let's get a quick little piece of context. So Jacob, who are you? What do you work for? How come you're so good at writing emails? Give us a little bit of background. So my name is Jacob Zajic. I'm the co-founder and CMO of Speaking Podcast. And we are a podcast booking agency. We help brands and individuals to become guests on podcasts. Their target audience listens to so for example, if you're working with someone from sales industry and they would like to reach the other salespeople, we would reach out to you, Mark. We would make it a no-brainer for you to say yes for this guest so you can then record an amazing episode. We're in business a little bit less than two years and as many new businesses and fresh businesses, we're figuring out how to do things right. And one of them was how to write amazing emails. So we get uh, replies from podcast hosts and we book our customers on podcasts with predictability. And the second thing was, how do we train our team 
to actually write these emails. And uh, we are trying many different things. We're testing many different approaches. And uh, then we eventually found a way on how to do it. So since then, we've booked more than 1,000 interviews. Our average reply rate is around uh, 50%. And uh, needless to say that Mark, my co-founder, and I, it's been a while since we've written an email to, to a podcast host because we have a team in place and they're even better than us. So I think that we'll be discussing all of these things today. Yeah. Look, and I think the takeaway, two really important things there for everybody is 50% reply rate but you're no longer making the email. So the person I spoke to, and I've forgotten who it was, I, I should have written that down, but the email that I got from her, she, that was so good. I said, this is the best email I've ever received. Thank you very much. She goes, oh, look, to be fair, you know, someone's trained me how to send these. So look, like, oh, well, okay, who is that? And that, of course, was you. You know, the fact that you're being able to train other people to send emails that are this good is something that most people in the sales industry are really interested in because everyone particularly in sales leadership, is trying to get their team to be better at sending cold emails because the world is full a very bad email. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and Mark, we hear this so often from podcast hosts that receive a lot of guest pitches. And they're saying, I received so many bad emails, right? And from reading just first sentence, I know that this person isn't genuine. Everybody is saying that I love your podcast, but you know that they didn't listen to your podcast at all. And once I read that sentence, which is not followed by something specific, from that episode, then I know that, well, I'm just the number in their spreadsheet, right? So I think it's really about relevancy. And yes, uh, as you mentioned, also about training team. Yeah. So just to give everybody a bit of context, I'm the host of a podcast. Obviously, you're listening to this and it's not the world's best podcast. It's not the world's biggest podcast, but I still get every week somebody sending me an email to be a guest. And it typically goes, hey, Mark, love your podcast. And that's as much relevance or context that they give. And then they say, my CEO, who's a marketing expert and, you know, has nothing to do with a sales podcast, you know, or is a CEO of a tech company, would love to come on to your podcast and tell everybody, you know, whatever, that something that's got no, nothing about sales at all. And you think, well, this person clearly hasn't even looked at the titles of some of the episodes because they would realize that having the CMO or the CTO come on and talk about what's important to them is not going to excite my listeners at all. But your email did exactly the opposite. So that's why I reached out and said, this is awesome. How did you do that? So how did you become so good? Like, how did you figure it out? I'm thinking where I should start because when I was in high school, I was actually writing for a high school newspaper. So that was my first copywriting experience. And then I just, I just fell in love with copywriting. And uh, it was my first freelance job that I was doing for a couple of years. I was just writing websites, website copywriting. And then once I combine it more with marketing and actually understanding the audience I'm reaching out to or I'm trying to talk to, to, then it started to make more sense. So I noticed that many of my emails that I'm sending to potential customers to land some of these freelance gigs, they were getting really good reply rates. And then long story short, we basically created the templates in our agency to write emails that get replies. And I need to say that part of the reason why our emails work so well is because my co-founder, Mark, he's an expert when it comes to cold email, email marketing and email outbound in general. So we combined all these like very technical knowledge with my copywriting knowledge and with, with the knowledge of understanding the customer and what questions to ask. And I think that was the secret sauce that is making our emails work. Yeah, no doubt. And so everybody... When you go into the show notes, what I'll do is I'll put a link to a post that Jacob posted about six months ago, and it's got a little template about how to write a podcast request email. 
But what we're going to do today is we're going to walk through that. And I'm going to also talk about how you could change that to fit your business. So as a starting point, once we finish listening to this podcast, go to that LinkedIn post, give it a like. It's six months old, but you know, give it a bit of life. And then you can download Jacob's template. It's a guide. It's not a template. It's a guide. It's well worth it. Let's get into it. Let's walk it through. So how do we start with writing awesome emails, Jacob? Well, I think, again, it comes down to understanding uh, who you are sending the email to. So that was the first point in that guide that you just mentioned. And yes, the guide is about writing good guest pitches, good podcast pitches. But you can take the advice from the guide to use it in your business. First tip was be the right fit. Generally in sales, that would be relevancy. I think many people and many SDRs and people who are writing emails, they put way too much emphasis on personalization and then they're making sure that it is relevant. I think it should be relevant first. And then if you sprinkle a little bit of personalization, then it will work better. So knowing your target audience, knowing the reader of that email and making sure that you actually are using the words that you know that will resonate with them because they're relevant to the challenges that they're currently solving or what they want to achieve. That is really the prerequisite of doing anything else. You need to know that your message or whatever you are saying in the email is relevant for the person receiving that email. Yeah, and I like the first point on your guide. It says, if you're not the right fit, forget it. If you're not going to be the right guest for the podcast host, then don't bother reaching out because you're not going to add any value. And that's so true for sales. Like a lot of people just think, oh, well, this person's in my list. I'm just going to send them the email. When if your client isn't going to be the perfect fit, it doesn't matter how good you are with your email, you're just going to waste everyone's time. So you know, make sure it's super relevant. Yeah, and well, I wanted to mention, Margaret, there are more than 4 million podcasts, right? So it's very difficult, not difficult, but time consuming to find the right podcast to reach out to. And well, there are way more companies, right? You can reach out to if you're selling your product. And it comes down to doing your research properly. And yeah, just knowing the target audience. But that's the price you pay for 50% response rates. You can't spam everybody and get a 50% response rate. You can spam everybody and get a 2.5% response. So people have to choose. What do they want to do? 15 minutes worth of research or send 100 emails and get 2.5 responses or send 100 emails and get 50 responses. Like it's the choice is yours. Exactly. And it's connected to many other issues, right? If you're, if you're spamming people, if you're using that shotgun approach instead of like sniper approach, well, first of all, in our industry, we are damaging the reputation of our customers if we are just reaching out to podcasts that are absolutely irrelevant because, well, it doesn't shine a good light on our customer. And second, it, it can make your emails fall in spam folders because more emails you send, more issues with deliverability you might have. So... I really just don't see any other approach than actually doing it properly and sending, sending emails after the research. I agree. Okay, so what's your next step? What's number two? So step number two in the guide that people can find in show notes was make it about them. So everyone's favorite radio station is WIIFM. What's in it for me? So make sure that you know what's important for the people that you are reaching out to. If you will be then reading through your email, and you will see that you are talking more about you and less about them, fix it. Just delete some of the eyes, replace them with use and make it very relevant for them as a reader. Yeah, I love that. And make sure that the message is all about you're molding your solution to fit the client rather than the other way around. Lead with value, I think you said in there. You know, so leave with value rather than yes. talk up the company. Definitely. If you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you're someone who's trying to win at sales. 
Whether that be to land more meetings, have better prospect conversations, or simply increase your closing rates. If this sounds like you, visit Mark's brand new Gumroad page, where you can find a whole bunch of new training content available in bite-sized pieces designed specifically for salespeople who want to improve their sales results and lock in some quick wins. Go to markmc.gumroad.com. That's M-A-R-K-M-C.G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com. Choose a short course that works best for you. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, what next up? We've got number three. Well, the next step is don't propose on the first date. (laughs) And this is one of the biggest things that I see in podcast guest outreach emails because some of the podcast guests podcast hosts are actually sending the emails they're receiving just don't do this guys this is horrible i like the way you do it and one of the things that we see most often is that these agencies are asking hey can i be on your podcast can we schedule an interview i mean it's such a big ask in the first email and to make it more relevant for people who are listening to this podcast because most probably they're not reaching out to, to podcasts to be on their shows so if you're reaching to potential customer don't ask for 10 minutes of their times or 15 minutes of their time or don't create assumptions like which Tuesday or Thursday work better for you. No, ask something that will make it super easy for them to say yes. So for example, you can ask open to learning more or worth exploring. And we ask the same question in our guest emails. We ask, would you be interested in learning more about Mark as a potential guest on your podcast? And then all they have to do is to say yes. And then once we begin the conversation, it's just way easier to convert the conversation into actual interview. And I think that if your listeners want to learn more about this, one of the best people to follow, I'm sure you know him, Mark, is Josh Brown. And he often talks about these things, how to create compelling call to actions so you can increase your response rates. So it's Josh Brown and he shares amazing content on LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, I like the thought process around slowing things down to speed up the result, right? So typically we think, I've shared everything in the email. So all I need now is for the person to say yes to a meeting. And we're trying to make it easy for us as salespeople. But really what you have to think about is there's actually some mental steps for the other person in between making that commitment. And that's why your don't propose on the first date so cool, right? So I'm happy to make a small commitment as in I might be interested in thinking about this if you can send me some more information, but I'm not prepared to make the commitment of getting on a 45 minute call or doing an interview straight away because I don't, there's not enough trust. So by slowing down the first part, it feels like you're getting further away from the sale and you're adding unnecessary roadblocks. But in actual fact, you're making it much easier for people to take a micro step towards commitment. And every step that they make and every time they respond to an email, their commitment around doing something with you is actually building. And so the more that they swap emails with you, the more that we send simple emails backwards and forwards, the more I like you and the more likely I'm going to comply with your requests. As long as the process is moving forward, in a reasonable way, if you have to swap two or three emails before you book a meeting, or in this case, podcast, you're going to get a better result faster than by trying to tie people into a too large a commitment too quickly. So slow the process down to speed up the result. I love that. Definitely. And I think it comes down to that everyone who will be reading the email will be in a different stage of their buyer's journey. Some people will know that this is exactly the solution that you need. And those will be like top 2% of people that will make a decision and they will ask you to jump on a call and they will make a decision very quickly. But then there will be a lot of people who are not that far yet. And you want to ask the question if they would be pleased 
open to learning more. Now, if they want to educate themselves a little bit more about what is it that you're doing and how it can improve their business. So I think that you're literally like removing such a big portion of your list. If you're just asking for a meeting right, inter, inter, or for a commitment in the first email, because not everyone is in the same spot when it comes to their buyer's share. Yeah, absolutely true. Okay, so where are we up to? Number four, maybe? This one's very simple, which is to keep it short. So again, just to give an example from our industry, the, the pitches that we've read, you need to scroll through them. <laughs> you shouldn't do it with your emails. Like our best performing emails are under 200 words. It's really short. It shouldn't be, shouldn't be longer than 300. The way to think about your emails is that imagine that the, the person who you are sending the email to will receive it as with their kids. They have a shopping cart. Something will ring on, on their phone. They will just pull out their phone and they will check it out. And they, would, they shouldn't have to read through five minutes of email. They should get the message really quickly. Again, make it easy for them to, to make a decision and to say yes and not to delete your email. So keep it short, ideally under 200, 300 words. Yep. And that goes if you're sending emails for B2B space that aren't for podcasts. You know, I like to try and get them under 150, 120. That can take a bit of work. Yes. Yeah. So, but definitely shorter, the better. I think that really works. I don't know what the latest stats are of people reading emails on their telephones, but I think it's, there must be much more than 55% by now. Yeah. Okay. You said something in there about editing the emails. I'm not sure if we're going through the same, uh, same, same guide I shared on LinkedIn <laughs> because I shared six steps as well. But editing the section, I'm not sure what do you have in mind. So I think, you know, we, you were talking about like you should edit it, remove the fluff. I think you said edit it. Have another read. Ah, right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that the resource I created. But to write the email and you maybe don't have to send it right away. You would be surprised how many fluff you will find if you will step away from Gmail for a second, or maybe you will send it on the next day. You'll open the email and, okay, I don't have to say this. I don't have to say this. And I don't have to say that. You'll just remove it. You'll make it shorter, simple, more to the point. And again, you will remove the friction for the podcast host or for the person receiving the email to say yes, because your email is easier to understand and shorter. So yeah, remove the fluff. <laughs> yeah. And I love the idea about editing it twice to make sure again, you know, not just once, read it, remove the stuff, edit it again. Yep. I think that's a, that's a great strategy. Yes. Okay. So where are we up to? What's next? I love it. The fifth thing is give something of value. So again, in our industry, what works quite well not so much as we started because now people are starting to use it more often. For us, it was that we reviewed the podcast on Apple iTunes and we took a screenshot and we send it as a part of either our initial email or as a follow-up. So giving something of value and just saying, hey, we reviewed your podcast. I know that you're busy, but whenever you have a chance, we've sent some interesting guest suggestion. And just giving something of value goes a long way. Almost no one does it when they're sending emails. And they're always asking, people are always asking for you to give me something, right? So I'm asking for you to give me 10 minutes of your time and so on. But if you flip the script, you give something of value and it doesn't have to be anything like a review or it doesn't have to be anything material. It could actually be just showing that you care, that you've done your research because it'll put you in the top 5% of people who are sending emails. And that's by itself, it's quite valuable if you do it properly. This is not like necessary that you will include something of value, but having in mind what you can do extra to deliver that extra value to the person reading that email, what would make their day better, whether it's a video, we were, for example, recording follow-up songs. I was playing on a guitar and I was singing, Hey there, Delilah, and I changed the words. 
or the podcast host uh, watching the video. So just make them fun, make it valuable for them to actually spend time reading that email. <laughs> yeah. So there's, I mean, let's stick with the podcast examples, right? But I mean, you could post on Twitter, just listen to this podcast. Let's say you had to listen to half the podcast to get an idea or, you know, the first 15 minutes of the podcast. So you could then post on Twitter, the podcast, tag the host, just listen to the first part of this podcast. I love the way it starts off. So you're not lying, you know, and of course, everybody would then go, that's cool. You could take a screenshot of that post and then put that in your email potentially, right? Or you could tag them on, on the social media and they might be able to see it. You could do the same sort of thing for LinkedIn. Just giving something first and having that thought process has got to build what's called reciprocity, which is a sense of obligation. And people will feel obliged to respond if you've given something freely in advance and something that's perceived to be of value. And it doesn't need to be of real value. It doesn't need to cost $20. It just needs to be, have some perceived value. So maybe even a positive rating on one of the streaming services for a podcast host might work really well. And then you draw your attention to that. So these things will take a few minutes, but it's going to be the difference between that 2.5% and 50% response rate. Yes. I love it. I'm a big fan of reciprocity. Reciprocity works well, but a lot of people try to use it too late in the sales process where... If you did something or any of those techniques, you don't have to do all of them. I would feel obligated to respond to the email at least. Yes. And I think in general, in world of sales, if you'll warm up the person you're sending the email to, you will always get better reply rates. And I like the example that you gave that it doesn't have to happen always in one channel. It doesn't have to happen in email, right? You, get, you can do everything on, not everything, but you can do it on social media, right? So you can connect with the host or, or with the person you're reaching out to before you decide to reach out to them, but don't make it like so transparent that you are doing it. You know, they're just part of the sequence. You, you can see it, you know, people, people are getting smarter right now that, okay, I received a connection request from this SDR. So I give this SDR three days to receive an email from them as well. And you, you can see that it's happening, right? So I think it comes down to just being human when building these relationships and add the person on LinkedIn maybe uh, react on their post for a while. But when I say react, don't just like it. Don't just say good post, but actually comment on it. Make sure that you put some effort into providing additional value in the comment section. And then you will see that your reply rates, once you will reach out to them, finally with your email or social media message, it will be just completely different. Okay, lovely. So I think we've got one thing left, one part of our process left, right? Yes. So I think that's the sixth step there is um, to have a flexible template. So what I mean by that is that any of these email templates that I, I see, there are just a couple of merged fields that will get replaced with company name, as host name, and maybe something extra. If you would see our email and you actually post one of them, the merge field is what you like about this episode, right? And the thing is that we don't automate any of it. We spend time writing these emails. So make sure that your email templates, it's okay to have email templates. You don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time but have a template that is flexible enough so it works for, so it allows the level of personalization and showing the relevancy that it requires. So no, just using the first name and the company name is not enough anymore. You need to make sure that you are actually showing that you've done your homework. And through that, you're showing that your solution, or in our case, our guest is relevant. And the last thing I would add, just know that it will probably take time, right? So it, it won't be two minutes task. Usually we spend on one email around 20, 35 minutes to write one email. And we actually, because we listen to the episodes, full transparency, not to like full episode, 
but we go through the episode, we find the interesting parts and we listen to a couple more from the podcast and we just make sure that our guest is really relevant for this show. So yeah, it comes down to having flexible template and also knowing that it will take time to write emails that will achieve 50% reply rates. And I can absolutely be the evidence that, that it works. It's a great email being on the receiving end of it. It was like, okay, these people really get me. This is cool. So let me do a recap for you. So you have a drink while I do that. So what we've talked about, I've been taking notes. Number one is be the right fit. Number two is make it all about them. Number three, don't propose on the first date. Or I said, slow it down to speed it up. This next one was keep it short. Give something of value was number five. And then last was have a flexible template for you to work to, but flexible enough for you to be able to add the relevance. Yes. Okay. So great job, everybody. Again, I'll post this link to the LinkedIn post. Go to the LinkedIn post and there, there's a document being uploaded. You can download that document and everything's there. So there's no, everything is fully transparent. You can get access to it. Awesome. Thank you. So Jacob, if there was one thing that you think people should do to start doing right now to be better at email, cold email outreach, what would it be? What would be the one thing that you'd tell people to do? We actually mentioned it, Michael, already. And I think it would be focus on relevancy first. Send less emails, more relevant people. So spend your time researching the audience that you're reaching out to. Know what exactly you can do for them and know that it is valuable for them. So focus on the relevancy first. Once you know that your email is relevant for that person, you can sprinkle a little bit of personalization as well to even increase your chances. It's relevancy comes first always. Yep, love it. And so if there's people out there listening that, and they want to see if they can get on some podcasts, should they reach out to you or someone on your team? So they can either reach out to me on LinkedIn or they can go directly on our website, which is speakonpodcasts.com. And you can read a little bit more about what we do. You can watch some testimonials from customers that we work with. And if you'll click the Get Started button, it will take you to a scheduling page where you can schedule a call with Mark Colgan, my co-founder. He has a way better accent than I have. He's from originally from the UK. So you will have a great time. And we are having the calls from place of trusted advisors. So even if you decide not to work with us, you'll leave with at least some actionable actionable steps you can take to use podcasting in your business. So once again, it's uh, speakonpodcasts.com or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, just by searching my, my name, Jakub Zajicic. There are not so many Zajicics out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes to your LinkedIn profile, the link to, as we said previously, to the post, and I'll put their website in as well. So it'll be really easy. People can just scroll down on the episode and click links straight from their phone. So perfect. Jakub, Mate, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing the secrets to an awesome email. Very much the best of sales skills. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for having me. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, mate.